Welcome back to the Bravo Zulu podcast, another episode of Talking Comics with James. In this episode, we cover episode six of the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale and just kind of where we think uh, things might be going from here. We touch on a couple of the future episodes, the Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings uh, trailer that just dropped. Yeah, that's the word. And, uh, you know, we just go through it. You know, if you're enjoying these, please uh, like, subscribe and uh, leave comments on the Facebook page. All those links are in the description of the episode. And thanks for stopping by and joining us again. Enjoy. Welcome back from our spring break uh, week off back in the studio. We got James back on the line. What's up, James? What's going on, Podland? What it do? And, uh, well, since we took last week off and uh, we we did not close out the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're back to close this out. Here we go. Episode six. Uh, one world, one people review. Rehash, deep dive, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what to call this really, but um, it's cool, man. I thought this was a a good wrap up to what we were um, what we've been talking about and everything, and to this to this first season. Um, in in the hindsight, in the past week, been reading a lot of different things about the show and the different angles they took and different things throughout the whole season. I found it pretty interesting, some of the stuff motherfuckers come up with. Uh, you read anything interesting about it or, or look into any other sources about what people are saying? Uh, I mean, you know, again, you know, Disney basically owns Marvel, right? <clears throat> so we're not used to Disney, you know, putting their foot in the, uh, we'll say, controversial topic pool. Yeah. But this this show... You know, it's touched on a lot of things that, you know, somebody might not think that Disney normally would. But, you know, I think they navigated it well. Uh, You know, obviously you're not going to satisfy everybody. Some people didn't like the direction they went. Some people wanted them to go further. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's drawn from the comics. So it's not like they just pulled it out of their ass. So, right. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Plus, you know, this show again, helps to build out and flesh out their world, right? So it's not just, ooh, space monsters, ooh, space gods. I mean, it's it's a living world that has real people in it. And this show, you know, obviously there's enhanced people, but this kind of shows that, you know, real people have real problems. So that's one reason I really enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that a lot of movie watchers, I'll put myself more in the movie category than the actual comic, you know, source material category, but that we don't realize is that in the comics, I think they touch on this stuff a lot more, right? There's a lot more real world impact where they'll bring in these subtle little, you know, one page, two page things. Uh, I read it a lot when reading the most recent X-Men, it seemed like it, right? Is that they touch on that real world aspect of things that are going on. Especially in the new X Men one, which which we'll dive into f- in the future episodes, right? Um, spoiler alerts for that when they're talking about like the 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 three plants and the the vaccines, pretty much in the X Men, the new X Men series, right? That came out what now two years ago. Those, excuse me, uh, allergies are kicking my ass. Um, those have like real world implications, and this is like you were saying, this is something that it was taught touched on uh, quite a bit in this is the real world implications of not just the pe- the people of the world but the uh the main characters of the world they're living in the real world and i think it was i don't think they could have picked anything better um and we had wanda right wanda and vision but i think this one touched on the real world aspect of it a lot more even better than wanda vision what what do you think the comparison there is like as far as like real world implication, real lives, did, did you think one did it better than the other or they did each their own thing respectively well? 
I think they, you know, each did their own thing well. I mean, they, each show kind of touched on different themes. Uh, you know, WandaVision, you could say, you know, it's a show about, you know, grieving and, uh, you know, the grieving process. And oh, by the way, you know, what if somebody has a bad day that has superpowers? I mean, that's legitimate, right? Because, you know, in the real world, we're dealing with mental health issues, you know, even more so now, or at least talking about them more so. So what if some of these people, you know, were walking nuclear bombs? I mean, that'd be a problem. So, you know, again, just fleshing out the world. And, you know, if you're a regular person, how would that impact you? What could you do against it? I mean, basically nothing. So, you know, WandaVision kind of touched on that at the same time, you know, giving some, you know, character development and fleshing out some characters that didn't necessarily get to shine. Some people would say that other characters did. And for me, these shows have been movies, right? So basically you say Wanda got a movie or Wanda and Vision got a movie. Uh, Falcon and Bucky got a movie. So, you know, I mean, just think back to when these characters first came up. People probably didn't give a damn about them, know anything about them. So now you have all this backstory. So now moving forward, you're like, okay, they're fleshed out. You know, they're real characters. Let's move forward. And, uh, you know, that was a, a kind of tricky line that they had to walk because, you know, not every character is going to stay in the MCU, you know, just based on real world stuff, you know, actors come and go. So yeah. they have to have a stable of characters to pull from. So, you know, to me, I, I was, I was satisfied. And, uh, you know, these, I call them mini movies, not necessarily TV shows kind of keep your uh, appetite wet until, you know, the bigger projects come through. Yeah, I mean, like they're, you know, six. This one was six six episodes, averaging what forty five minutes ish. I mean, that's not a bad movie, right there. It's not a bad movie at all. You know, drawn out over time, but you know, here we see a uh, Sharon showing back up into the mix, and you know, at the end of this, she reveals herself to be uh, the power broker, as we were thinking. Um. You know, kind of fast forwarding through her arc in this, what is her play like as power broker getting back into like, is she like all bad now? Is she, you know, did her thing with the prior, you know, getting ousted from civil war and, and exiled and all that, did she turn all the way bad for real? Uh, I mean, we'll see, but again, you know, another character that, Nobody gave a damn about now there's interest in, right? Yeah. Now she has a much bigger role. Uh, could it be a fake out? I mean, who knows? Because technically she's a spy. I mean, basically. So, yeah. Is she a double agent? Is she like do a complete, you know, heel turn? Or, you know, there's another wild theory out there that she might be a scroll. Or, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I've, been here. I've heard that. Because, you know, we're getting that secret invasion TV show. So, I mean, you know, you can go any kind of way you want, but yeah. again, just another character that they've, you know, pumped up and made interesting. I would say when uh, when Sam showed up, and here he is, a uh, Captain Falcon, you know, Captain America, and uh, he had the interaction in the beginning when he was like walking up in there. I think it already happened, right? Or no, maybe at the end, but he's like, someone's like, oh, look, it's uh, Black Falcon again or something, right? And he was like, <laughs> pretty much he's like, nah, bitch, it's Captain America. That's pretty dope. I like that. You know, kind of, you know, sometimes you just got to set people straight, right? And, and him, uh, him own, because, you know, like the last episode, there's a lot of that, what we talked about, right? Of who's he going to be? How's he going to? How's he going to take up that mantle and, like you like you said, reconcile that with the history that, you know, his community and that America has uh, w- with with him and black people? So it was like, how are they going to do that? And that's, I think, been the biggest, most sensitive to some topic that this show has done, right? Uh, yeah, they've done it well. And, you know, 
I always look at it like, if you mad that a TV show's talking about the real shit, then you might be part of the problem, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a, it's, it's, it was a tough one. Uh, I mean, of course, I kind of knew what direction they were going in, you know, from the comments, but yeah. I didn't know how they were going to deal with that, you know, in this medium. Um, you know, I think they you know, handled well, brought some questions. And on the and the good thing about Marvel is that they'll answer questions, but then they'll also you know raise other questions, right? So just because it was brought up in a series doesn't mean it's over with, and I'm sure it's going to be a continuing theme as long as he's Captain America. So you know it's not over with because I'm sure there's going to be situations where he's going to get put in that are you know he may have conflicts with you know emotionally or something. So. What do you think? Are there some comic situations where you see this going? Like, can you uh, theorize and speculate on where they're going to take uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, and what what some of those situations they they might put him in to uh, maybe like develop this whole story arc of the history part of America and and the reconciling him being Captain America and all that? Do you, is there something in the comics where this goes that you think? Uh, that they'll take the actual show? Uh, on the comics, uh, Bucky takes a turn at being Captain America. So I don't know if they're going to do that or if that, you know, because there's a kind of like a handoff between Sam and Bucky. So I don't know if that's what they're going to do in the comics or what. I mean, excuse me, in the movies, but that happens. And then uh, Isaiah Bradley's grandson becomes a superhero. So I don't know if they bring that up and then, you know, would Sam be a mentor to him or so, I mean, I, I don't really know what they're going to do, but there's not necessarily, we'll say any kind of big moments where there's issues. I mean, it's just a little thing, you know, in the, in the conversations, just little things that happen and, you know, interactions, but no major situation, I would say. Okay. Because I was seeing some, uh, reading somewhere, again, uh, me being a, a outside comic reader, but knowing a little bit, the uh, major event when um, Captain America was shot, right? I, I don't know what it was about, but there's a there's a comic right where where Captain America ends up getting shot or something, and someone was bringing that up, thinking, well, this is, and, and it'd be right in line with actual society societal problems. This is where they're going to use Sam Wilson, Captain America, to be shot for whatever reason he was shot for in the comics, Captain America, that is, and and use that as you know the next uh, social problem that Disney will um, show in the in the series. Mm, I mean, yeah, they, they could. That's the thing with <laughs> with Marvel is that you got almost 90 years of history to pull from. So, I mean, I mean, it could go a whole lot of different a, ways. a million different ways. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, everybody talks about, you know, what they, you know, the content of the show and some of the subjects they touched on, but, <clears throat> but Kevin Feige, you have to understand he will do and use any story from the comics that fits his overarching plan. Right. So with all this material to draw from, we've seen that nothing's really off limits. It just has to fit his overall narrative. So yeah. with that being said, I mean, we could, I don't know. Yeah, it can, uh, a lot of things could happen with it. And, you know, it just, you know, watching these just make you more excited for the next step. For the next, uh, for the next movie, for the next everything, right? Because they're they're it's just becoming so huge. Just like you cannot ignore it. it like oh, yeah, as I entertainment, mean, you cannot ignore this at all anymore. Yeah, and you know when this first started out, it was you know kind of kind of like a core audience. But now at this point, it's you know the MCU's entered the mainstream. You know, entered the the regular zeitgeist, right? So. Little grandmas in Nebraska probably know about, you know, these characters. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, that's, that shows you how big of an impact this, this has or has had on, you know, pop culture. Plus, uh, you know, it's just, 
there's just an infinite well of material to draw from. So, I mean, they could be making Marvel movies till we're 80 if they really wanted to, or content. Plus, you know, they're still making new content. So, this is almost like just an unlimited reason to print money. So. Yeah. Yeah, plus, you know, going into the, the Disneyland did just finish, I believe, their their new Marvel area at Disneyland, uh, California. So, like you said, like, you want to talk about printing money. If they just finish that, then, then they got all the money coming in. You know what I mean? Like, when, when Disneyland goes in on redoing Disneyland, uh... They're in for the long haul. You know, this is going to be around for 10, 20, 30 years. My kids, yeah. you know, <clears throat> will be taking their kids to go see the Marvel set up at Disneyland. Yeah, you know, every time people talk about this stuff, it's like, oh, when is the comic book movie uh, boom going to bust? And when is it going to end? I mean, at this point, I don't really see it because yeah, it, you have to understand that Number one, the source material is a wide variety to pull from, right? So there's pretty much something kind of genre-y in there for everybody. Two, they're they're well-made. So, you know, you can't really knock that. And three, guess what? They seem to be very popular. So they just keep, you know, with each success, they get to push the boundaries, you know, a little bit more. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like a winning formula there. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they're getting top-tier talent to join these movies now. You know, it's not a stigma to be seen in a, you know, a Marvel movie. Uh, you know, just look at the new Eternals movie. You've got Angelina Jolie and, yeah. you know, all these other people. It's just everybody wants to do this now. So, you know, and then, you know, half the fun of it, is a speculation, right? Because they put this material out and, you know, people like us, like, oh, what are they going to do next? Oh, what's going on with this character? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And, you know, that's that's a whole thing unto itself. That's with any, like, good kind of content. It leaves you craving more, right? So, you know, like, like Lost. Ooh, what are they going to do on the next show? What's going to happen? What's the theory of the island? You know, it's just it's that kind of thing. And that kind of self-fulfilling kind of uh, fan interest just keeps going so yeah it's a good time oh yeah the the content creation that this provides i mean there's been so many channels you know youtube channels podcasts you know this one not not even being included um that have popped up in the you know 10 years and you know everyone watches them we, we you can name them on youtube and you know millions of subscribers and stuff that watch these because it's so interesting what you know what is uh, going on what are the speculation what you know everything like that so oh yeah it, it's they know it's providing content so many different ways they're not going to stop um you know to the show though here we've been watching it on the on the rewatch and uh it's been the whole big fight battle scene and everything oh there he goes right black falcon there i tell you <laughs> I was in the yeah. See, that's dope. The, the guy next to him was like, "Nah, that's Captain America. That's what it was." But um, you know, we have this whole battle breaking out between the uh, flag smashers and everyone else. And that was like the third time in this series that somebody threw something at Bucky that he's just like caught it. I think he's getting annoyed by that, right? People throwing shit at him, and where he's like, "What the hell are y'all doing? Stop throwing shit at me. It's not working." Um. What did you think about the Flag Smashers? Like, in, again, uh, comparing everything back to comics, where the Flag Smasher in the comic was a single person, this is more of a, you know, a entity, a body of people being led by the one uh, Carly Morgenthau. What do you think they're... Because I, I like what they did, right? As far as that, like, displaced people who are trying to, you know, get back what's theirs, and... You know, try to do it kind of peacefully, but being pushed into that, you know, choosing violence kind of thing. Um, in comparison to the comics, how do you think they set this up? I mean, they took like the essence of the character and kind of refreshed it and updated it. 
Uh, so I mean, if you if you know the character in the comics, and you can definitely see the the the, the bones in here. Uh, you know, Flag Smash was a an F-less character that I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't seen since the eighties. So uh, yeah, I mean, they took something, made it work, and you know, like I said, updated, refreshed it. I don't necessarily think that, you know, in the MCU, the Flag Smashers, because it's almost like an ideology, right? Yeah. is not going to just die with one person. So I think it's going to be back in some way or form. But then again, it's also a natural progression of their world. I mean, it, it fits in the world. You know what I mean? It's not like something that's like, oh, let's just throw this in here just to do this. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, they tied it in very well with, you know, the blip and the five years of people being gone and, you know, things were different and Thanos did have a point, you know, things were better in the, and that's the thing, right. In, in the movie it's portrayed as everyone's just depressed and sad and, you know, trash is piling up or on the streets. But I mean, let's just keep it a hundred. Like if 50% of the world vanished, a lot of problems would be solved, right? Housing. All of a sudden, there's a lot of houses. Who owns them and things like that? Yeah, you start running into some problems, but all all of a sudden, there's a lot of houses. There's a lot of job availability, you know, um, uh, hunger and stuff like that. You know, depending on what place of the world you're at, there should be more food for the, you know, less people. Um, There are problems solved, but when they come back and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're blipping back into the kitchen table that you're having breakfast at and there's a whole different family there. You know that that might pros, uh, propose a problem a bit, you know. Yeah, I mean, people suck. <laughs> the thing, so I mean, you know, uh, yeah, it would just change the status quo, and it would just be a big uh, like paradigm shift both ways when they left and then when they came back. So, yeah, I mean, there would obviously be some uh, you know, outcomes of that. I mean, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was crazy. Like, like I said, when when they're doing the world building to make it more than just, hey, here's this movie with this one, um, with this one super problem, right? These super villains being taken care of by the superheroes. There's like, no, nah, there's all these other little problems and actual things happening. Um, you know, we're here in the we're on the Mexican standoff with the power broker. Carly and uh, GSP. I thought that was, you know, that's one thing I think we we didn't never touched on yet. GSP coming back to the Marvel Universe. So that's Georgia St. Pierre people, uh, you know, all time UFC, MMA, you know, great top five champ ever. He was in the, uh, that Captain, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, I think it was, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it, he was in the, on the boat. He had the fight scene and then he disappeared. And then they brought him back for this series, you know, what, fucking forever years later. And it was, that was, I, I don't know, being like a somewhat of a UFC fan and a fan of his watching him fight in his early days. I thought that was pretty cool, you know, him being able to make some money outside the ring in, in the little little TV spot, you know. But he comes back, they had their little three-way standoff. And once again, we see the, the ultimate spy lady playing it very well and Getting uh, getting it to go her way, you know, while looking the hero being shot and everything like she's uh she's up to no good, man. I don't trust her. Well, just to touch back on uh, GSP, you know, that's kind of one of the other things that makes Marvel so unique, right? They have number one some of the most impeccable casting of any franchise that I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, GSP is not a great actor. No. I, I think everybody can agree on that. Yeah. And his main thing is his physicality, almost like Batista, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a great actor. But, you know, his physicality, his presence, and the stuff that he can do, they accentuate, and they don't put him in bad positions. So if you look at their use of Batroc the Leaper, they don't give him a whole lot of exposition or, you know, heavy moments. They They use him as little, you know, flavor enhanced, like, like, like seasoning, right. Just some little, little nuggets here and there and where he makes sense and he can shine right with his physicality and his one or two little lines and, you know, perfect role for him, you know, again, 
just Marvel knowing how to use a character, an actor, picking the right actor for the right role, you know? Yeah. And I don't think a lot of, you know, people just think about that. I mean, look at all the actors that they've picked for these roles. Some you may have known before, some you didn't. But when they came in here, they fit their roles and they played their part. Like the girl that's playing Carly. Most people know her from Star Wars. Okay. But after that, how would you know? But I think she had a strong performance, you know, in the show. But then again, I mean, just, you know, good casting. So that's one of the superpowers of Kevin Feige, if we can kind of say that. It's just he has a great eye for talent and picking the right people. So. Definitely, definitely, and and not just you know a lot of credit goes to him, of course, but you know whoever because they're always switching what directors and producers and from show to show, uh, whether it's episode to episode in a TV show or it's you know movie to movie, but it's those people also that are doing that part of it because uh, you know he has direct oversight and, and you know big picture stuff and you know I'm sure has a huge you know if not probably the main part in choosing who who's going to be playing what. But, you know, it's just like any kind of sports team, right? You could have the GM in the front office picking the players and, and thinking, like, it's going to be the best role, and then the coach doesn't know what to do with them. You know, the, the coach can't put their that talent, that specific talent or something uh, to use. Oh, here here he goes. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, Sam. I think Sam did it again, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm stuck on the him, him punking people, let him know that he's Captain America. I just I, this is one of those like I wish it was like rated R so he could throw in a bitch or something you know or motherfucker you know like hit me with Samuel Jackson you know what I mean? Yeah, well, one uh, thing to say is that that costume is pretty uh, comics accurate. Oh, it, so is was, it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody can look that up online and, and kind of see that. So, and I knew they would they would make it make it work like that. So. Yeah, you know, talking about the suit, you know, because we touched on it last time, you know, what was in the case, and we were saying, you were saying it's probably a suit. You know, I, I thought it was a, it's a cool suit. A very Captain America-ish, right? Design-wise and everything, and of course, colors. But also, you know, very Falcon, you know. They did a nice blend of, you know, definitely looks looks like himself, but, you know, just with a new color overlay kind of deal, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's, you know, updated, refreshed for Sam. Yeah. Has that classic element, but also let you know that you know, there's a new guy in town. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's another thing, you know, Marvel, uh, their costume department. And, you know, in the comics, you know, people have these costumes. And a lot of fans are like, oh, these costumes aren't comic accurate. Just wear the costume from the comics. But WandaVision showed that eh, sometimes stuff doesn't translate into this medium. So yeah. you kind of have to like keep that essence while making it work for this medium. And I think they, they do an excellent job of that. I mean, you can know you know the characters, you know their look, but it looks as real world as it can get. You know, I mean, obviously, you don't walk around with Iron Man armor, but you know what I mean? Right. Like it, yeah. it works. Yeah, that's that's with anything. A lot of people have in their um in their heads what what's going to look good but like when you put it on different things paper you know tv it, it's not going to translate the same way so you have to make it look right for what you're trying to put it on like, like you said that medium that you're trying to display it on it has to look right that's something you know an analogy that i always uh ask or, or tell people kind of related is like when a tattoo world right People always take in artwork to a tattoo artist that they drew or their friend drew or something, right? And it's on paper, and on paper it looks cool as fuck. And they're like, yeah, you know, this is it. I want this. And and a good tattoo artist would be like, no, that ain't going to work, man. Like, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like, that that's on paper. When I try to take that exact design that you want there, fucking bro, broham, and try to put it on your arm, it's going to look like shit. So how about just let me do it? And I think that's the same, right? It's... On paper, these uni- these uniforms, these costumes and outfits look a certain way. But when you take it off that and you throw it into real-life world, you're going to get something different. And it might not look the way it's, you know you want it to look. So, you know, so I, I don't know exactly what comic, you know, 
accurate that is. I'm not looking at that. I'm just looking at it as in the TV show. It looks fucking cool. And that's what you got to be worried about, I think, as the creators is, does this look good on the TV show or does it look like, uh, you know, uh, a Warner Brothers uh, CW TV show, The Flash or something, Green Arrow kind of costume where it's like, oh, God, what the fuck is this dude wearing? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we, we've all seen bad examples of that. You know, yeah. when um, Black Panther came out. They actually won uh, the Oscar for best costume design, and it seems simple. Okay, a black suit. Okay, yeah. Well, it's a little more to it than that. So, it's it's the little details that Marvel gets right, like from the casting to the costuming to hell, even the score. Right? For now, the Avengers score is iconic. Oh yeah, it's, the, it's damn near up there with like you know the Star Wars stuff. Like, yeah, people people know it. People. Uh, know the sound when when Wakanda comes in the little kind of jungle thing whatever I mean it's just all these little details add up to a satisfying experience right Mm -hmm. and people don't necessarily isolate those they just kind of go with it and you know it's just little like flavor enhancers right just is what takes them over the top and I, I think Kevin Feige to use a sports analogy, is like the GOAT. I mean, there really is no discussion on that. He's the, the best producer of all time, if you look at what he's done with the MCU. I mean, you know, earnings-wise, these movies, top-earning franchise, because if you call MCU one whole franchise, top-earning franchise of all time, you know, popularity, uh, you know, critics. Number one, I, I never listen to critics, but you know, they're there, and some people give a damn about them. Uh, You know, critics just are waiting for Marvel to just fall on his face, right? But even the critics have to admit that, you know, each time they come out, they get a little bit better. And, you know, it's just, he's a goat. Because basically he's the bottom liner on all this stuff. You know, each director kind of has their, you know, kind of leeway to put their spin on different stuff but everything that happens fits Kevin Feige's you know vision from the art from the uh, you know costuming casting all this stuff so I think when all this is done or when he's done with it people are going to look back and say this dude was a one on one because this I mean everybody looks at it and says oh what's a no brainer oh you could have done this not really I mean, as we see with DC, it's not just not just uh, rinse and repeat. So yeah, no, he's cre- like, oh man, it, it's created, and like you said, it, it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Uh, what what is the worst Marvel movie? Uh, it's hard. Again, to, it, it's, it's like hard to think of because they all have been so good. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, all movies are subjective, right? So everybody's right. going to have one, whatever. But I mean, even the ones that I personally didn't enjoy the most were still good to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, there's not one that stands out where it's like, God, that thing was trash. Right. Usually, along like I'm a big Star Wars fan, right? And pe- people know this, like. I could point out several of the movies that were trash. The most recent three I thought were not that good. You know, the more you watch them as time passes, they get better. Just like the prequels. At first they weren't that good. Now they're better, but they're only better because the most recent three, those actual sequels, you know, the, the second set of sequels are, are worse than the prequels. So now the prequels are, you know, by default better. But as we're watching this, the, the Marvel, you know, the MCU unfold like in real time, like year after year after year. Yes, they do just keep getting better, but you could go back and watch Iron Man and it's still not bad. You know what I mean? As as yeah. just a movie for that era, like putting it like contextualize it and be like, all right, a movie during this era was like 2008. You know, yeah, graphics have gotten a lot better since then. But just as the story and everything. It's not that bad. And of course, you know, in all movies, there are some things that don't age well. Tony Stark's, you know, there's some jokes in there and stuff that haven't aged well for, you know, today in 2021. But it's still good. I'm laughing. You know, it's still good stuff. And most franchises don't have that. You know, you do a three, six movie franchise or something. And out of there, you have two that were just like bum ass movies. 
where you're like, yeah, I'm not watching that. Star Wars, right? Uh, yeah, I, and, and not to make this a Star Wars show, but one of the one of the things that made Star Wars hard is that there was no you you can tell there was no plan. Plus, the IP didn't yeah. have like kind of a, an outline, right? Again, you know, the comics are there to provide you know an outline for these guys. Yeah, but it's still not just you know read the comics and, you know, start printing money as DC has proved. So you got to look at it with a little bit of grain of salt, but still, it's just Kevin Feige, just, he's a man. Yeah, he's doing things that I think won't be replicated, that he's going to keep doing. I mean, he's not moving on from this. Who moves on from this, right? You're winning, you're winning chip after chip every year, multiple chips a year with every movie that comes out. You know, yeah. Uh, he who's moving on from he's. He, you think someone's gonna offer him so much money to go do something else that he's gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna step away from Marvel. You know what I mean? Like how? Like well, there's no amount of money, right? I would see, think. The thing is, obviously, I don't know the guy, but from stuff I've read or what have you, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to be getting bored with it. If you know what I mean, like yeah. It seemed like he still got the same drive and, uh, you know, investment that he did at the very beginning. So, uh, I mean, the question is, could this continue without him? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But while he's there, I mean, that's that's Nick Saban. There's nothing to say. I mean, yeah. You know, so so in this scene here, we got the end of the show coming up. Uh, Flag Smashers are all bundled up, going to jail, and they blow up. And then you got old, old old dude here, the old man fucking bombing them from the, you know, limousine. At first I was like, who the hell is that guy? And then I remembered when, when it cut, cut to the next scene, that was old yeah. Zemo's uh, butler. And it was like, oh, okay, Zemo's still in play. I like that they did a little cut back to him, you know, and uh, still making moves from, from inside, a little Chapo-esque, you know. So I, I can't wait till they bring Zemo back full, full, full on and, and let him do his thing. Yeah, in the comics, uh, Zemo's a beast in the comics. So again, they're just you know giving him a little flavor, building him up slowly, and I think he's going to come back and just really bite some people in the ass. <laughs> he, like I said, in the comics, he goes hard. So okay, and then we cut again to the uh, purple head lady uh, Val. Constantina, Vanessa, Valentina, Consuelo, and she's over here talking to uh, John Walker's boo thing. Well, she looked familiar. Like she, I've seen her in another show or something. I don't know. She looked familiar. But then he here he comes. And he walks out, and this is where we're, we're now revealed the full on U.S. agent in his. Yeah. Uh, God, he looks such like a knockoff still, though. Like, I don't care. Like, dude looks like such a... Like, this is like... This is such a... uh, The costume, I think, is accurate, right? Going back to the costume accuracy thing again. But it's just... It has the red and white, you know, from, like, the flag kind of Captain America look. But then it's, like, the all black from when Captain America was the nomad kind of Captain America from, you know, uh, end of uh, Civil War and stuff. And it's just like, man, he looks just such a cheap brand fucking knock like you know rc cola you know (laughs) (laughs) such a cheap brand i mean it's common yeah and uh you know it's 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 meant to be a, a physical manifestation of his shift right because before he was basically just a drone right red white and blue that's point him in a direction, he'll go do it or yeah. whatever, right? So now he's had his moment of awakening and his realization that his uh we'll say former handlers yeah. weren't necessarily on the up and up. So now he, he's retained some of that costume, which means he's retained some of his still values, but now they've shifted. Like it's it's a physical manifestation of his shift. So just like in the comics, he's still in his mind doing what's right. 
but to everybody else, it's it's fucked up. So yeah. it, you'll see him later on, and I think they're gonna really use him later on. And uh, you you think he's gonna go movies? You, you think he'll cross into the movies, or you think he'll stay main TV show? Uh, well, number one, that actor is. Uh, He's kind of on the rise, and now after this show, some of the stuff I read, he's kind of being up, you know, put up for a lot of bigger roles. So uh, that's Kurt Russell's son. So I think the higher profile the actor gets, I think the more inclination they'll have to put him into like the movies and stuff. And we already know that Captain America Four has been greenlit, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up there. Like the Kurt Russell, that's his son. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Wyatt Russell. Okay, so yeah, he he has Hollywood cred and legacy, uh, legacy leverage to to get into this to the shit. Uh, so here we have Winter Soldier, you know, telling his uh, old homie, the old uh, Asian homie here, you know, that he had killed his son. Which, you know, we knew that was going to end up having to happen right since the beginning when it when when they showed it happening and all that and. uh this was a very sad part, man. It kind of choked me and Nikki up a bit, you know, um, having that closure scene there for, for the, for the father, you know, who'd been asking the government and everyone what happened to his son and always kind of getting blown off about it for Bucky to go in there and talk about it, you know, like that's, that's tough, man. It's always tough to say sorry, right? When, when, when you're for most people, you know, to have this kind of sit down like this and be like, yo, I'm sorry for something I really fucked up. And here, you know, he's talking about, hey, I'm sorry for killing your kid. And I've kind of been hanging out with you for the last couple of months because I don't know how to say it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know how that feels like, but it's going to be a <laughs> rough situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, like uh, Black Widow said, you know, he's got a lot of red in his ledger. So, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, that was a sad part. That was a sad part. Uh, I ain't gonna lie, me and Nikki was in there, kind of looking at each other, like, did did we just both get hit with the allergies? <laughs> you know, and but somebody's peeling onions. Huh? Yeah, man, it was, it was damn. And then you know, he closes it out with his therapist and all that, and go back. You know, yeah, I want to know what he's doing right there. You know, like he he swing back by the the sake bar there, the sushi bar, and. You know, old girl looks up and sees him. Look at Bay. Yeah, come on, Bucky. Come on, man. She is for you, brother. Come on. Let me tell you what. I'm all about that team. I mean, you know, uh, I think they correctly kind of showed. You know, Bucky's 100 some odd years old, right? He comes from a whole different just time period. So... Imagine trying to date now with, you know, tenders and all this other stuff going on and, you know, women being empowered to do certain things. It's just, it's a different, I mean, it's a paradigm shift, right? Oh, yeah. Back in the day, he was, he was a ladies man, all sorts of stuff. Now he's got his, it's just, he's just, yeah, he's, he's he's got a tough time, you know, dating, we'll say. So, you know, uh, I read an article, uh, this is, I thought it was crazy. Okay. That said, uh, Bucky is bisexual. D- did you see that at all there in the, in, in your news feed? Uh, I heard some stuff. I mean, because because he had a line like earlier when they're talking about the dating stuff, and he had a line that said um, that there's these apps and stuff, and he goes, "What's with everyone taking pictures with tigers? Talking about like Tiger King shit, right?" And then, so this article said, well, like, I guess, I don't know, ain't on Tinder, don't fucking know, you tell me, you're out there, you take, you got a picture on your Tinder with the fucking tiger, James? <laughs> and uh, not they're, so much. Yeah, they're saying, they're saying, like, it's, it's out there in the scene, it's males, it's men that have these pictures with tigers, so why would he be talking about pictures with tigers unless he was looking at men profiles on tinder so he must be bisexual 
And I, okay. And I, I, and yeah, it's just one of those like I'm like, wow, are we reaching here? I, I don't know if he if the fucking writers intend him to be or not. I don't fucking know. That's not the point. The point is there's a mad reaching going on to try to connect dots to shit that I mean I I just don't know. I like like come on y'all like there's a lot of other signs that say he he also into women too. You know, so I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that there were those articles popping up with such a a throwaway line in the show. You know what I mean about so much other stuff that that's the one we're we're like picking to latch onto there. But anyways, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, uh, that that's the way the world me, rotates the, nowadays. It, it's not accurate to the comics, but I mean, I don't think it would change the character necessarily. I mean, no, yeah, I guess you could you could say that. It's a freer time, and maybe he could come out. I don't know. I don't. I don't really care about it either way. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it, it's is is not a. It to me, it's just like a throwaway thing. Still, right? Like, it, it, what does it matter? It doesn't bring anything to his character right now. So why would why would we try to move the focus on that when there was so much? And as we're seeing in this episode, we're about to hit play on again. There's so much else going on into this whole series. Why would we try to bring this one thing that is such a throwaway line to like overshadow what I consider overshadowing the major story arc, you know, the major plot of it all, you know what I mean? Representation for the, for the black community that wasn't represented, you know, from Isaiah Bradley here in the museum. Now seeing a statue of himself uh, as part of the captain America, you know, this is the captain America museum. And now you have the representation of Isaiah Bradley in here, um, rightfully so. Well, I think this just kind of goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, part of the fun of all this is the speculation, right? I mean, think about it. If people are sitting around watching the show, taking that deep of a dive into what is probably going to be a throwaway line, but that's the fun of it. I mean, I could take one line, isolate, say, "Ooh, well, this really means that." That, yeah, that. yeah. So, so again, that's what people do with good shows. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, they're creating content. I think that's something that people have to be aware of nowadays, right? Is uh, we as viewers and as the creators of the movies, right? The the big corporations, right? Uh, the the Kevin Feige's and such when they're creating the movie, this content, they're creating content for content creators because they know that's going to drive their brand. People, I mean, one, you know, after you watch one of these, how many people go to YouTube to look up the comic material and see how accurate it is or the deeper dive into those comic characters? I know I do. And I think a lot of people out there do too. And all that does is suck you in more to the Disney brand, the Marvel branding of it all. And and have you wanting more for uh, than or waiting for that next show, the next movie, all of that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good. Good shows, good movies. They always leave you wanting more. So that's uh, something I think they've kind of nailed down. Yeah, and uh, and they're not just one note, right? There's always multiple storylines, and you know you're interested in more than just, you know, the whiz bang pow. I mean, yep. just, it's what you gotta do. Yeah. You know, here on the statue, I paused it on the statue. Cause I didn't do this last time, but, um, you know, what it reads here, you know, it's very, very accurate, not just to comic to this comic art, but to, you know, real life, you know, um, yeah, it's just one of Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley talking about him here and his, his representation in the captain America museum now for being that role, you know, it says that they were uh, one of a dozen African-American soldiers who were recruited against their will and without their consent for participation in the human testing in pursuit of the super soldier serum. Most did not survive. And it goes on and on. And then it starts touching on to, you know, uh, him rescuing the POWs in the Korean War and whatnot. And you can't see the whole thing, but I always like these little things that, you know, the details that Marvel puts into a story. So you could do this, this, you know, pause on it, screen grab it and actually read what it says. And, you know, how accurate this is to like, again, not just this comic and not just the story arc, but to real life, 
you know what I mean, uh, of shit that has happened that has gone uh, un- unnoticed, untold, and and not properly represented in the the proper halls where it should be. Yeah, I mean, you and I both know. I mean, every uh, every special month that comes around, you know, we hear about the wind talkers and this, that, and that, and you know, red tails, and you know, this group of you know, Japanese soldiers. I mean, it's all right there. It's taken yeah. right out of real life. So, yeah, there, yeah, there's no denying it. Like I know there are people that you know. Oftentimes we turn well. This is getting too political. This and that. No, it's just. I mean, you don't even need to look at this political. This is just real life. This is this is shit that really happened. You people just need to come to terms with it, recognize it, and I think that's the the problem is that we don't want to give it the proper recognition that it rightfully deserves. You know, and I thought you know this was even touching right here. You know where where you see this the embrace from that old generation to the new generation of just thank you. Uh, because with Mosin, it's not about him being a statue here now, right? It's not about that. It's just about the recognition, finally, as a whole. Well, it's a metaphor for, you know, you know, this country reconciling yeah. a wrong, yeah. right? So a lot of wrongs to, to reconcile, but, I mean, at least in this one instance, uh things were somewhat said right. I mean, you can never, like, if I go and kill your spouse or child, I mean, I can apologize and try to do something or whatever to become a better person, but I can never bring them back. I mean, it's, you know, it happened. Yeah, it's done. Uh, It's happened. You know, it's, you know, it's what deserved at this point, but, yeah, never forget, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know you can't you can't change the past. It is, it's done and implanted, but you can't change the future, and and you can represent and talk about you know the truth of it of the path and, and have a better way forward. And I thought Marvel did an excellent job, a better job than we do in real life. You know, um, closing that out there with with that with that last scene there uh, on that story arc, and then we get back to uh, back home down south uh, with Sam Wilson and his family and everything going on here family keeping the boat fishing's alive beautiful well maybe there is something there i don't know they're looking off into the sunset you know <laughs> sam put his arm around him rubbed his shoulder yeah <laughs> i'm fucking around i don't fucking care um you know that that's uh got a few more moments here um uh, pure poor uh, after this dropped, or maybe the same week, same night, came out the um, the new trailer for uh, Shang Tsung. Shang, I'm thinking Mortal Kombat, huh? Shang Tsung, Shang Chi, Shang Chi, yeah, Shang Chi, and uh, the Ten Rings, right? So that I, I know you posted that, pretty hype about that. Um, and he ties into Madripoor some or something there, you know. I just bring it up because we had Madripoor. It looks like it's a jumping off point. You talked about it before. Wolverine has been in there several times. It seems like we have a new area that we're going to explore that we're going to start branching out from and bringing things in and out of. So you know, let's talk about the Ten Rings and uh, Shang Chi and where do we think that is tying in with the with the universe? Real quick, let's go ahead and get into that. Uh well, the Mandarin in the comics uh, was kind of a, a bigger deal like in the earlier days and then basically kind of went away for a while. And it really hasn't been that relevant for a while. I mean, I'm sure now that basically now the, the movies kind of lead the comics. So I'm sure he'll be coming back up here shortly, but uh, you know, he was the old Iron Man villain who, you know, had interactions with the Avengers and stuff. And uh, I mean, to be very honest with you, I have somewhat limited knowledge on him. But with the Ten Rings, at least in the comics, I don't know how they're doing the movies. Each kind of controls some kind of element similar to the Infinity Stones, similar-ish. So I don't know if they're going to tie it into that somehow or something, but 
basically they gave him superpowers and stuff. So now I'd have to research, but I don't think in the comics the Mandarin was Shang Chi's father. I think his father in the comics was just a generic gangster. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, so kind of in the seventies, you know, Marvel kind of rode the wave of uh, you know the exploitation films, right? Because you know in America a lot of the karate films became very, very popular and. You know, the black exploitation movies were going on, so thus ushered in you know a whole new wave of characters. And Shane Chi was one of those characters from the seventies that got introduced. And in the comics, he's called the master of martial arts. So he basically is a beast, right? He's the best fighter. Well, he's tied for the best fighter in Marvel. Some say it's Iron Fist. Some say it's him. But the difference between he and Iron Fist is that Iron Fist has access to powers, we'll say. Shang-Chi necessarily doesn't have any powers, but his skill level is so high that he can beat superhumans. So again, I don't know how they're going to play this in the in the movies, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it opens the door to a lot of things. Again, each movie, you know, answers questions, but raises other questions. So for me, hopefully through Shane Chi, they can reintroduce Iron Fist and uh, you know redeem that character because Iron Fist is actually cool, but that TV show was a little shitty. So, was it the actor? In the, I mean, like we'll we'll go along if we need to here. Like, I thought it wasn't that bad. I didn't think it was great. You know, you could say that's one of those like has Marvel ever done anything bad? Eh, Iron Fist wasn't the best. We'll put it in that bottom tier there. You know what I mean? But, like, what was it the actor or just so much the direction of the show? Well, for me, it was the actor, uh, the lead actor, the guy that actually played Shane, uh, not Shang-Chi, uh, Danny <laughs> Rand. Uh, the show kind of uh, kind of struggled with pacing. Uh, some of the dialogue was a little off. It just, just didn't leave me with a good feeling. So, uh, again, in the comics, you know, Iron Fist is, is much, much cooler. So hopefully he can get redeemed through the series. And what I'd really like is a uh, kind of Civil War-esque fight between Shang-Chi and, you know, Iron Fist just oh. to, you know, whet your appetite and say, oh, the meeting of the best fighters, you know, just yeah, give, yeah, that, yeah. give that little flavor. Okay. But, uh, but they're not enemies necessarily, right? It would just be like an introduction of Oh, this badass, that badass, and, and kind of introduce the two styles and two two storylines. Well, you know, in the comics, they, they fought and it's been a standstill. Like, well, not necessarily standstill. You know, one is one one time, another is one other time. Yeah, yeah. They both recognize each other as masters. Um, you know, I mean, they wouldn't necessarily be evil, but you know, Marvel could come up with some way somehow for them to fight. You know, I mean, yeah. it would be a cool thing. Yeah. Know? Okay, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited. We'll see, and you know, obviously, the bigger ramification of you know an Asian superhero, at least in America. I mean, obviously, you know, the Asian markets—that's what they do. But you know, here in America, at least, uh, getting some representation for the happy world—that's good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, they're definitely going to expand that out. We, we've talked about that. We've just seen it with Falcon Winter Soldier, obviously. They're gonna bring. They're starting to bring in all those other characters to to give us so much more, and uh, I'm excited for it. Um, I thought it looked dope, you know, the, the fight scenes and all that. Like, so that's September this year. Uh, I think that'll be the first move. Well, Black Widow's coming out. I don't know when, but supposed to come out sometime soon. But I think for the next phase, yeah, it's supposed really, to be out. It's supposed to be out in July. So yeah, I mean, but black. I always look like Black Widow's like a, you know, the the previous phase, right? They're just trying to close that out. But as far as going forward for the new phase, shit. Well, um, I mean, they're going to introduce a new Black Widow, so I mean, it's got ramifications moving forward. The Black Widow movie is going to introduce a new Black Widow. Yeah did did you ever see Midsommar? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't watch that one. Uh, well, that actress, Florence Pugh, she's basically going to be the new Black Widow. Okay. Is that like know. the sister or something? 
uh, in this movie, they're going to kind of make her family oriented. Somewhat related, I think. Yeah. Or if if not by blood, but by, you know, relation. Or, yeah. I guess. So. All right. Well, let, let's wrap it there, James. Uh, thanks for stopping by. And, uh, you know, we'll coordinate on, you know, if you're listening and you want us to talk about something, a certain one. I know we've had a couple requests in for like uh, the graphic novel, comic kind of stuff. Um, the more rated our stuff, Watchmen, things like that. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll do some oh, of that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I, ugh, I love Watchmen. As, there's a lot of there's a lot of good content out there that we could talk about. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if, you're, if you're out there in Podland, let us know and we'll, we'll touch on it. Maybe we'll just do a one shot, you know, one movie, one shot kind of deal. Um, if it's a series, we'll break it down and and, and whatnot. And if you want to join in, let us know and we'll get you online and uh, you can talk about it with us. Uh, until next time, uh, we'll holler at you and uh, stay safe and uh, enjoy. Deuces. For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit us at anchor.fm backslash podcast. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of Joshua Moore and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.